For those who don't have the art scroll, it's described an art scroll as the most important and the most authentic of the Akinos. And it's based on when Yermiyoh Anavi was mourning over the tragic and untimely death of Yoshiyahu HaMelech. Now, if we don't have a background in Navi, you don't really understand the gravity of the loss of Yoshiyahu. But Yoshiyahu HaMelech was the son of Menashe Melech Yehuda, who was infamous for the Avodah that he did. And if you could even imagine, this was a generation that maybe knew less Torah in a certain sense than even we do, because the Navi describes how when they were doing renovations in the Beis HaMikdash, seemed that for the first time they found a safer Torah. And Yoshio was reading a piece from the Tocha, and when he finally saw the Tocha for the first time, he ripped his clothing and he was mourning, and he led this incredible mass movement of Teshuvah. <coughs> and he got rid of all of the, all the apparent of Odazara that was around. He, he got rid of everything. There were still some people doing Avodah Zarah. It was hidden behind closed doors. But Yoshiyahu was on this high. And the Navi describes, Melachim Beis, describes how Yoshiyahu, when Paranacho from Mitzrayim wanted to come through, and he wanted to do war with Ashur, with Assyria. So Yoshiyahu didn't think he had to allow power to pass through, because it says, it says in, in Sefer Vayikra that the sword's not going to pass through the land, even, even if it just means that they're passing through to, to go to some other nation. And Yoshiyahu felt, you know, we should, well, I shouldn't have to deal with, with Paro so he thought he was going to do war with Paro, and, and Paro was not going <coughs> to succeed. And Yermiyahu warned him and said, no, we're, 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 not, as, we're, we're not on that level. You, you think that we're going to be able to succeed, we're not going to be able to succeed. Yoshio didn't listen to Yermiyahu. The tzaddik that he was, but he didn't listen. And Yoshio tragically was killed, and, he, and his body was pierced with, with a bunch of spears. Now we have to try to understand why, with someone like Yoshio, who created such a turnaround, a 180-degree turn in Shuvah, and Hashem seemingly rejected it flatly. And if you think about it, this, this story has a really frightening parallel to what we find at the fallout of the tragedy of the Miraglim. Uh, we, just, we just actually read about it in Parashas Devarim, where Moshe Rabbeinu was recounting the story of the Miraglim. And right after, we have the other tragic story, which he also records, the story of the Mapilim, the defiant ones. You know that after Hashem condemned the Bnei Israel to wandering and to Gullus in the Midbar, there was 
a remorseful group of people. And they did all the proper steps we would think of tshuva, chatanu, in both versions of the story, you look in Parsha Shalach, you look in Parsha's Devarim, they completely admit to their Avera, and they reverse their course. They make a 180 degree turn to go on the path that Hashem originally wanted to. They said, let's go to Eretz Yisrael. We realize that what we did was wrong. We want to go into Eretz Yisrael. We want to do the Ratzon Hashem. And in an instant, they were annihilated by Amalek and Emori. And it's the same question. Why, at the moment of our tshuva, when we are in the middle of turning around, doing exactly what it was that Hashem wanted us to do, and Hashem just throws it in our face? I think the, the answer to this question is very, very important, understanding the avoda of Tishabav. And that is that it's very important to understand that there's no one moment in time that's inappropriate for doing teshuva. And it's, not, it's never too late to do teshuva. But at the end of the day, when Hashem makes a gzera, there's an impact of our avera. And because of the impact of our avera, there's a gzera. And in their case, it included the withdrawal of divine protection. Hashem wasn't with them. And just because you decide right now that you're doing teshuva, does not mean that all of a sudden you can start summoning divine protection at your whim. It does not mean that everything was suddenly fixed. Because sometimes teshuva does take time. It's not that their teshuva was too late. In a certain sense, it was almost too early. There's a moment where you have to not just think, uh, you know, not just to say, oh, I did the wrong thing to do do chatanu. Anyone knows if if a person uh, upsets their wife, and we, we, uh, intuitively, we think, okay, just, just apologize right away. And, and that falls flat also. Even if we've had the, the, the courage and then the, the humility to say, I'm sorry, I did the wrong thing, you do, if you do it really quickly, it's, 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 it doesn't work. It falls flat. And it's not because it's not genuine. It's because we didn't actually do the time to really think about it. And in this sense, Tisha B'av is not a day where... It's, in, it's, it's not an Esratzon of Tefillah. We don't say Slichos on Tisha B'av. And it's because the Shari Tefillah are closed. We, we don't say Slichos because it's a day, Bidafka, of rejection. It's a day where we actually acknowledge the reality that maybe we daven, daven, and daven, and Hashem will still say no and not listen to us because of the gravity of our Avera. Even if we are genuinely trying to do Tshuva, Hashem will, will just will shut the door on us. Just because we say, oh, now Hashem, I'm ready. Who says Hashem is ready right now? Maybe Hashem's actually going to tell us no. And if we think about it, in the same vein, just as Tisha B'av is not really designated as a day of tefillah, and it's not really designated as a day designed specifically for tshuva, Ironically, it's really also not the day to just start waking up and saying, oh, I, I want Mashiach, I want the Geruva. That's something that Hashem wanted us to be doing all along. Oh, now I want to go into Eretz Yisrael. Now we're going to fight the battle. Now we're going to start doing Ratzon Hashem. You want to see how much you want the Geruva? Don't gauge it on Tisha Let's see how much you want it on Purim. Let's see how much you want it on Simchas Torah. You live every single day of your life yearning for the Geula, then, you, then, you would, then we wouldn't have a Tisha B'Av. The reason we have 
Tishabav is so we can digest the reality that what Hashem wanted us to be doing all along, we were not doing. The only reason we have to go through this rehearsed and, and planned day of mourning is because we don't feel it every single day. We're not yearning for it every single day. All of a sudden, now I'm ready. I think it's for this reason why in Eicha we say, which, if you think about it, is not just a pledge of teshuva. We say, Hashem, return us to you, then we're going to return. What kind of chutzpah is that? We're telling Hashem that he should return us? We're the ones who did the Avera. Since when is it Hashem's job to schlep us back in teshuva? The answer is that once we've done the Avera and we've created that distance, Hashem does distance himself from us. And then, after that, we can do tshuva all day long and say, Hashem, I'm ready, I'm ready to do the right thing now. But until Hashem decides to bridge the gap, until Hashem decides that he's actually ready to take us back, then the tshuva all day long is not going to do anything. Sometimes tshuva by itself, without the time to feel actually genuinely broken about what we've lost, that tshuva sometimes is, is insufficient. So now we, we remember what Yermio remembered at the time when, when, when Yoshiohu died. The, the tragedy of someone who genuinely did shuva, but the time just was not right. And there was a time where he had to sit on it to actually feel broken about what was lost. <laughs>
The next kino is kino Yudzayan. And this kino is perhaps the most grotesque, the most disturbing, if you understand what the words are saying, based on a line from Eicha, until Chalna Noshim Piriyom, If a woman could actually eat the fruit of her own womb. Alalaili. Translated, alas, is to me. Maybe the equivalent of, I'd be damned. This kina, which is not only the, the most difficult to read, go line by line, in Tengozna Pas Rosham, the Tikshana, quoting the story in the Gemara of a woman whose hair was tied to horses and the horses would run, Times when women would say, Come and, and, and let, let, let's, let's cook the child. Really hard to, to, to digest the imagery that's described here. In Tishkavna, Bein Shvatayim, royal women publicly violated on the roadside. What's the point of this kina? So this kina was written based on the cold-blooded murder of Zechariah ben Yehoyada. It was a Kohen living in the times of the Malachim as well. This time it was in the times of Yoash. The story, the story of Zechariah's murder is not found in Malachim. It's found in Divrei Yom Beis, Parakhof Dalad. And the, 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 this kina, which was authored by Rabbi, Rabbi Lazar Kalir as well, as many of the other kinos, so he describes... <coughs> How, when Bnei Shal were doing Avodah Zarah and Hashem sent Zechariah ben Yoyada to admonish them, <coughs> so the people were so corrupt that instead of heeding the words of Zechariah, they stoned him. And he was apparently the holiest leader at the time. <coughs> And if you could wonder how a person can have such a turn to understand a woman eating her own child. So we have to try to understand what it means to take a tzaddik and to cold-bloodedly murder him. This, this kina, I think, as well, really speaks to the larger question of what we're actually trying to do here. Because in a certain sense, I think for most of us, Tisha B'Av is a very awkward kind of day. Because we kind of have to just flip the switch and just turn on the crying, turn on the sadness, which I wasn't experiencing necessarily a day ago. And now I have to try to see if I can muster up the feelings that I'm supposed to feel on Tisha B'Av and, and try to make it in a way that it's not rehearsed, to, to make it in a way that it's actually real. This kina actually pushes us and says, okay, you're, you're not riled up by the destruction of the Besa Mingdash? So what does rile you up? Imagine if you would actually see a woman consuming her own child. You think that might move you a little bit? Because we, we do get moved by things. When, 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 a, when a building collapses and a bunch of people, possibly people that we know, die, so that kind of starts to move us a little bit. 
Things in politics that we don't like, we got riled up over that. Just a summer ago, people riding in the streets, people get moved by that. We respond to that. So this kind of challenges us. This is well, what riles you up, what gets you upset? Think about what possibly gets you upset. <coughs> and the answer at the very end of the kina, after all the different things that we say, oh, im, im, if this could happen, alalaili. Very last stanza, Baruch HaKodesh Lemula Marim. The Ruach HaKodesh turns back to us. Woe is to all of my wicked neighbors. They publicize their own tragedies. The ones that they cause, they don't make known. If it could happen that women can eat their own child, but if it could happen that they could murder a Kohen and a Navi, and they didn't let that be heard. But what gets our attention? Because we're so disconnected and desensitized and numb, certain things don't rile us up as much. And we wonder why we have to experience tragedies. Why do we have to, why do we have to witness the events of Mehron or the events of Surfside or all the events of, of years that, that, are, you know, that we, we just can't even count them anymore? Three boys being kidnapped. Baby's throat being slit in Itamar. Because Hashem, Hashem asks us, what riles you up? Because well, what, what do we respond to? And I don't even know what the answer is to all this. Uh, I don't know if the answer is tshuva, fixing the world. But I, I don't think Tisha B'Av is really about the answer to that question. But it's about being able to ask ourselves that question. And so it's not about feeling guilty, about not feeling guilty enough, but it's about thinking about what actually would move me, what, what riles me up. And if we can understand that that, that, that that's why Hashem has to send us things that shakes us up, so then, then we, and we think about what would actually be, we don't even know what it looks like, but we don't even need that. We, we get queasy over, over less than that. So the things that do bother us, that's what we should be thinking about. And then think about what things bother Hashem and why don't those things bother us.
The way that the uh, Shkina is written is that the Makashem HaTzedakah, loosely translated as Kishbaru, Tzedakah has Chesed for X, Y, and Z, the London Vaishas upon him. And us, we, we, we have shame in our face. We didn't live up to our, our, our side of the, of the equation. And we go through the whole thing, as we go through it, you'll see a Kishbaru constantly is doing Chesedakah for us. We're not, we're not 